Hello, everybody. Welcome to Two Guys Five Movies. This is one of your co-hosts, Chris Gasper. This is Frank Pelican. You are listening to episode 197 of the podcast, and tonight we are covering the 1989 crime action thriller black rain uh 40 54 percent uh from critics on rotten tomatoes 55 percent from audiences that is directed by ridley scott and written by craig bulletin and warren lewis stars michael douglas as nick conklin uh andy garcia as charlie vincent ken takakura as masahiro masumoto Kate Capshaw is Joyce because she only deserves a first name and uh, the late John Spencer as Captain Oliver. Um, some of you might be wondering like uh, why these two uh, idiots are like talking about Black Rain in 2023. Um, uh, we had a friend who passed away recently who um, used to tell us uh, or used to tell me um, uh he was always supportive of the podcast, but said he would listen to it the day that we covered Black Rain. So um, I figured that uh, we would just go ahead and um, make sure that we do that. And uh, so, Frank, you ready to deep dive this thing? Oh, yeah. All right. Um, so let me uh, first say, like, you know, what does uh, what's one of your big takeaways um, as you watch this? Probably have, you've seen this before, correct? Yeah, but it's been 30 Forever. years, maybe. Yeah, sure. Actually, the only thing I remember from this movie was um, a sequence towards the end of the film. Um, when I saw it, I was like, "Oh, right, that's this movie," mm-hmm. and that was an hour and a, like hour and forty five minutes in, <laughs> um, and the opening title with the um, whatever the, the stylized like rising sun, yes, uh, motif that they do the title card against. So, yeah. Um, basically i remember bookends and that was it um what and what is the i i should have looked that up this is this is already bad research um living on the edge of the night that's the song the the pop song that plays over him at the beginning with the motorcycle yeah i mean that i do remember that very well but um i could also just be remembering 18 other movies that like did something similar at the beginning but it's yeah there's there's definitely times that feel like the movie borders on parody almost or satire mm-hmm. maybe um so this movie opens with uh, michael douglas um in a motorcycle race like versus i don't know what i kind of like weekend warrior style like motorcycle riders yeah um uh, with michael michael douglas like smoking a cigarette and riding on his hog or whatever i, I don't know like yes yeah, right yeah it's um it's a moderately ridiculous like opening sequence in the beginning of the movie yeah um, that feels like see i i don't know like i it's to, it's, it's to show that he's like a rebel right like you right. know he's tough he, even though he's a, a detective with the nypd nypd he's still this like motorcycle riding guy who smokes and lives i mean what, what, right. what was the name of the song the, living on the edge of the night. night right yeah he's like living right. on the edge all the time he's like you know um <clears throat> but all it is is meant to like see again like it feels like satire because it's like almost like purposefully making fun of something you would see in a Stallone movie or a schwarzenegger movie mm-hmm. from this time or even like bruce willis right like sure. to establish the character 
maybe even like the anti Bruce Willis because I feel like his characters at this time were more like hangdog everyman that yeah just kind of got sucked in you know like the whole diehard character yeah, but sure. yeah it also has established him as a counterculture like rebellious sort um because you find out pretty early on that he's being um being watched by uh internal affairs um for possible misdeeds and has all this debt um from his uh his marriage and his ex-wife and anyway so yeah yeah um and so and if you're not familiar with this movie um they him and his partner end up like you know watching this execution take place by a japanese like yakuza um who um they end up like catching and taking to japan on extradition uh which is a yeah. ludicrous concept in and of itself like if there was like a, a an like open air murder um i don't think the nypd would probably um send a man who's accused of whatever like graft and <laughs> right. corruption yes yes that on top of it i don't think they would extradite the dude like allow the dude to be extradited but i also don't think they would send nick conklin under investigation by iad yeah. um because basically because he said so buddy um, when when the state department calls you you listen that's right that's what you so take away from the they get him over there they lose him and then conklin and his partner charlie vincent have to work with the um with moss the um the head like the main japanese detective assigned um to work with them uh to go ahead and try to catch this guy so that's the that's the basic premise of this movie if you've never seen it um so having watched it after all this time and not really remembering much um directed by ridley scott like so what did you take away uh from this about ridley scott's like direction of this I mean, my first real takeaway is that I think it exposes a lot of the problems with Ridley Scott. Um, Ridley Scott being like, and better in many ways, but kind of just like the proto Michael, not Michael Bay, um, Zack Snyder, basically, of like the mm. guy that's more style over substance that's into slow motion and... I don't know, like the sweeping like crane uh, shot to like yeah, establishing shot. Follow yeah. the action and mm -hmm. um it's just all frantic and whatever. Um I'll give Ridley Scott this credit. It's a lot less racist than I thought it was gonna be. Mm -hmm. Um I barely remembered the premise of this movie, and again, like I barely remembered like scenes from this movie until I was well into it. Um, but I was expecting much more cringeworthy racism. And I was surprised that Ridley Scott treated the Japanese cast and Japanese culture in general with, like, a small measure of deference, where it doesn't feel like it's condescending towards the Japanese, even though one of my major problems with the movie is Ridley Scott, like, making it a, like, a Great White Hope style movie, which is always super annoying to me. Right. Um, Because it takes, you know this boozy unhinged fucking corrupt detective from america to come in and show these you know japanese detectives what for when it comes to solving crimes right he, show, he shows them how to live on the edge yeah right 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 the edge of the night <laughs> um but yeah like so 
I haven't seen. I'm trying to think of like, I mean, I haven't seen Gladiator probably in like 20 years. Um, what are some other Ridley Scott movies? Like, oh, there's so many of them. Man, um, Man on Fire, right? Isn't that Ridley Scott? And uh, um, is that him? Matchstick Men. You've talked. You've seen the last few years again. Um, yeah, and I, I Kingdom of Heaven. We talked yeah. about um recent in the past couple of years. Yeah, uh, like I guess past I enjoyed year. that too. Uh, American Gangster was the past few years we talked about. Yeah, and I enjoyed that. Um, hold on, Blade Runner we rewatched again in the past few years, mm-hmm. which I think is definitely worth like uh, from a directorial standpoint. Like he's still hanging on to Blade Runner. You can tell in this movie, um, visually. Yeah. Um, the neon, also, and the water soaked. You know, like, also dealing with Douglas, who's off of his um. I guess is the last movie before this is Wall Street, which is like maybe sure. At least at this time, that time his most iconic role, um, and it kind of established him as this like tour de force, like powerhouse actor. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just a movie they got away from. Him. Like maybe if you, mm-hmm. well, I mean, we also talked about Prometheus and Alien Covenant, like in the past couple of years, and like the problems with those movies. Um, yeah. Those are definitely movies they got away from, I think. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, there's it. It's not like Shogun or something. Or, um, what's the other one from around this time period? Uh, uh, Rising Sun. Yeah, Rising Sun. Yeah. Like, it's not as condescending as as those movies, but it's okay. also you know, it has a lot of flaws to it. Um, Rising Sun so condescending because basically Connery is the stand-in for an actual Japanese person just because he's right. so he loves the culture so much and has lived there and stuff. Yeah. It reminds, it's like The Last Samurai kind of in that respect. Um, mm-hmm. I think the action sequences are pretty well filmed for the most part. Um, but you have to watch so you know we talked about the opening of this movie with the motorcycle a wholly unnecessary scene that only exists to set up the ending of this movie like the last like action sequence Mm -hmm. that doesn't even matter that it happens on a motorcycle right like so you take I think this movie is interminable in the sense that like it takes forever to get to that point and it feels like it takes forever And it's got all these things from the 1980s, like these tropes that are just the most egregious example of like the excess of the 80s that there is some like nostalgic whatever charm to. But at the same time, it's like, Jesus, like, why? Yeah. Like the motorcycle chase is so 1980s and it doesn't need to happen. Yeah. There's a scene where Andy Garcia and Masamoto singing Charles like singing like Andy Garcia singing Ray Charles and it's like number one I hate that boomer conceit that like everyone is singing these like whatever like 1960s standards Mm -hmm. or whatever all the time I don't even know that Ray Charles song but I don't care um and then it's in it like it's just it's so out of place and it's Right. Well, it's 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 just. I mean, it's it's there it's, to establish. It's script writing um, one hundred and one, right? And it's like done in the most like kind of um <clears throat> absurd way that you can think of. It's like how how do I shorthand the idea that 
uh, Charlie and Moss like have grown close so that we can get to the next beat once Charlie dies that um, uh, Conklin can, you know, like respect that Moss cared about Charlie, too. And it's like, what's this moment? Oh, let's like they're in a club together. Let's let them, make them sing karaoke. Like, yeah, but you know what? Like, but it's just like lame, you know, and it's like a trope. But you're wrong because they've already succeeded in like establishing a relationship. Because it's a really great scene before that where Charlie is, where he gives him his tie. Like this mm-hmm. is, you know, New York City silk. Like this is how you look handsome. And don't worry about Conklin. Like he's just on edge. You know, you're a good guy, Moss. Like they've already. Yeah, they established respect. I think this was supposed to establish like a deeper, like you know, a shorthand to a deeper friendship is what I think the screenwriter was trying to do. Dude, I like... just think they were ripping off fucking Top Gun. <laughs> maybe it's possible like hey like this this worked here like let's right it let's go be. ahead and could put be. it in there uh-huh um but yeah it's yeah. very tropey um in that way um i i thought there was one really great shot in this movie like i mean it's competently directed like you said the action scenes are competently directed i don't think there's anything outstanding in them um i think some of the scenery is nice but again it feels repetitive to me from a lot of blade runner minus some um you know less some neon um here and there but um there's a shot towards the very end once they've captured the killer and nick and moss are walking them in walking him in um to the precinct and it's like that uh, Japanese score is playing over top of it. And I think that's really well filmed where it keeps cutting like from like profile to um, tracking in front of them and like moving backwards um, where they're like walking towards the camera and the camera's moving back and they're like bringing him into the precinct and all mm-hmm. like the Japanese like detectives and staff like start standing up like kind of like in all of like these two like beaten up like, you know, three beaten up i guess like guys um like you know and um in shock and all and um i think that like shot works really well like it's like probably the thing that stands out the most yeah, to me in terms of like well a well-directed like sequence um in this movie everything else feels like there's just something wrong with it like a little bit or just as dull um and that actually feels sweeping a little bit and moving but not in like a, a grandiose way um but I, I was really disappointed with the direction in this because I didn't remember that Ridley Scott directed it. And I was like expecting a bit more and didn't really feel it from a directorial standpoint overall. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, So what did you think about Douglas in this movie? And first of all, what are your feelings about Douglas like overall, like in terms of like kind of like a larger kind of review of his work? And then like, what did you think of him in this movie? Michael Douglas is one of those dudes that's like, he's just always Michael Douglas. You know what yeah, I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. you can't see him without thinking that that's who you're watching. And I guess, like, for any great actor, that's probably true, but I'm never going to remember. I don't even remember the guy's first name now. I'm never going to remember Conklin as a Nick character. Con- Nick Conklin, yeah. I'm just going to think of Michael Douglas. It's sure. just like, 
even with Gordon Gecko, like even though I know that name, I still just think of Michael Douglas. You know, like Douglas is just himself. Um, I think there's times where the performance is is fine. You know, mm-hmm. um, he's not my favorite actor, but he's always like a serviceable actor in in pretty much everything he does. Uh, I think there's scenes in this movie where. Ridley Scott's direction does a disservice to Michael Douglas um, mm-hmm. because you can't you can't throw like slow mo in things and like very very few actors could have can act effectively through slow motion. I think like it's just not an effective tool to show like whatever. Um, there's one particular scene when um, what's his name is getting murdered. Um, Charlie. Yep. Yeah, um, where Douglas is like grabbing onto a like one of those almost like link gates, like chain link gates that come down yeah. in a garage or whatever, and he's shaking it and screaming, like as he's watching his friend get murdered. And um, I thought the premise to set up that murder is silly anyway. Um, and this idea of like these roaming like yakuza street gangs with like samurai standards on the back of their bikes mm-hmm. just feels like some kind of fucking like edgelord yes. like anime bullshit <laughs> yes okay. um but it like the slow motion of him screaming like almost like <laughs> drains like impact from the scene itself mm-hmm. and i thought that all things being equal um andy garcia's performance is one of the better parts of the movie even though he starts out as this like fucking awful maybe Italian American like caricature or something. I don't yeah, know. Char- Charlie crazy. Vincent, like, you know, yeah, like if, yes. I, I took him to be an Italian um character, but it's like the Charlie I, I looked at his name when I was first watching it and it's like it was Charlie Vincent. It's like, okay. Um I agree with you though. I think uh Garcia I, Garcia is actually really good. I'm not a fan of him, like generally, but I thought he like did this character really well. Yeah, but he's got a line like in the opening, his introductory like scene where he's like, "Ladies of the '80s, go for the shoes or something." I just, <laughs> yes, I don't yeah. know. It's yeah. yeah, I think when he tones it down, and it's actually when he gets into when they go to Japan, like I, I actually find that character to be right. enjoyable, and I, I think he does a really good job with it. Yeah. Yeah, I was genuinely disappointed that they killed him off because I really enjoyed his interactions with um Masamoto and kind of like being the bridge between Douglas's yeah reckless obsession with I mean because that that's that's Douglas's character he's this alpha male mm-hmm. that's willing to do anything it takes to fucking prove his point that he was right about something yeah um even if it like puts people in danger and ultimately it's that that gets his his partner killed really. Sure. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think Douglas is fine. I again, I think it's an interesting. I think there's just a lot of like wrong-headed, like, like tonally the way that this movie approaches things. So, I think it's really interesting that that Douglas is like actually a dirty cop, right? Mm-hmm. And justifies it by being like, what, like, you know. You're just stealing from the criminals. What does it matter that you take a couple thousand off the top here and there? That's interesting that like you're taking this kind of sleaze bag, 
guy that's you know like Vic Mackey or whatever from the mm-hmm. Shield that's willing to justify his you know his egregious behavior by like well everybody's doing it and we're good cops otherwise and we bring down the criminals why don't we deserve like a piece of the pie or whatever um that's an interesting take but the problem is is all of it is just used to set up like a a gag isn't the right word but this gimmick at the gimmick shot at the end where you think he's finally like you know you you think he's back to his old ways and he's stealing or whatever Mm mm-hmm and he's proven you wrong by like, hey, I've been an upstanding guy now, but it's like, but you're still like a creep, like for the rest of the movie, and <laughs> it doesn't really justify, right? Well, you know, it's again, it's like it's it's screenwriting shorthand to where it's like, you know, oh, like this is the influence that Moss and this call, like Moss's like honor has like had on him now, and now he's all good, he's perfect, he's fine, um. When you have all see, this I, evidence to the contrary, I think. See, I actually look at it a little different than that. Because to yeah. me, that scene is, yo, you underestimated the American, you Japanese fuck. Like, and I'm not saying that because I think I, I think Masamoto is meant to be and is effectively the most sympathetic character in the movie. Yes. But I still think the ultimate um, intent of that shot isn't necessarily the Japanese influence, but to show that, you know, hey, you're like, still underestimating the American. Yeah, like you, you, you don't understand like how good a guy you know Conklin is. That he's he's doing this to whatever. I don't know. Right. Like why? Why do you hide the plates? Why does anyone let you? Anyway, whatever. <laughs> right. Right. Um. I just think it's like really clunky screenwriting a lot of times. Um, I I'm pretty down on. I'm a little bit more down, I guess, than you are on Douglas's performance in this. But I I will give him credit. Is like he does pull off some lines that are really really bad. Um, and he's and he has a lot of really bad dialogue. It's funny dialogue, I think, sometimes, but it's really bad dialogue. Um, but he's able to pull off the line. Um. I'm about an uptown minute of throwing you into an international instance is going to spin your head <laughs> until you sign yeah. off on this dickhead. His ass is mine. Um, look, you want to charge me? You charge me. Okay. You want to jerk off? You go back to your office. Yeah. Um, um, and I'm also like, it's really disturbing how sexualized, like a lot of this is, um, like a lot of his, like, you know, gruff dialogue, like, you know, his rebel dialogue. Um, and this is one of the things that our friend used to like love about this movie is like how obnoxious some of the shit that he said was, mm. um, uh, the one that he used to quote all the time is I usually get kissed before I get fucked. <laughs> um, yeah, which is a hilarious and obnoxious line. I did some research um, on this next line. Apparently, it's the first time it's ever been used in a movie. Um, fuck you very much. No, oh, um, yeah. Yep. Uh, another one. One good hand job deserves another. Um, you and- know you know, my favorite part about that I usually get kissed before I get fucked line is? What's that? Is Andy Garcia's delivery yes. of... Um, yes. Uh foreplay yeah like foreplay kinda... he means foreplay yeah yeah <laughs> uh sometimes you 
and this sums up the Conklin character perfectly. Sometimes you should forget your head and grab your balls. Um, it's a line that he tells Moss and Moss's balls. Um, <clears throat> like the, it, it's really obnoxious dialogue. And I think considering it, he does a fairly good job of pulling it off. Um, for something that is ultimately pretty gross and stupid <laughs> um, in terms of characterization. Um, so I'll give him credit for that. Um, but um, I'd, I'd like to hear, I should have researched, I'd like to hear his thought process on taking this role after Wall Street um, of like why he, oh, why he, he was thought interested. It was, he, because he thought it was a great script. Mm. He thought it was a fuck. What's the line like? A cracking, cracking good time or something like that. Mm. Like he was really into this movie, really. And mm. I think he also. I mean, you brought up the Sean Connery being like that character in um Rising Sun or whatever. Mm-hmm. But Douglas like really found himself to be like immersed in Japanese culture and thought that it was like a really good like homage to Japan in a lot of ways. So. Mm. Um, that's even more interesting because I, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't see that. Um, so what is your take? Like you, you mentioned it a little bit with the plates and like kind of started getting into it. What What is your take on this movie in the sense of like, you said that it's like, it's less racist. They treat the Japanese with respect, but do you see this as still like putting American values over Japanese values? Well, no, but I think that it's very much a great white hope movie. And can you explain that? Um, like, it takes Douglas to teach these, you know, staid, um, traditionalist Japanese cops, like how to do their job. You know, it it takes him to bring. Uh, Masamoto around to like learn like well this is how like a real policeman like does his business and the idea that I mean you know, they put him on a plane and send him home but he's already like broken their rules and defied their instruction like numerous times so the idea that like this white American cop can just come into Japan and do whatever he wants right with like relative impunity and even though he breaks other laws is celebrated at the end of the movie because well he you know he did the one thing we couldn't do he caught he caught the bad guy even though right. he's the one that let the bad guy go in the first place right um i don't know i think that but that was through japanese trickery though <laughs> right <laughs> it's not racist it's just very condescending in terms yeah. of you know he and it's also overly convoluted in its condescension condescension like the whole plot of the the missing like one one hundred dollar plates and all this shit and sato's like ultimate intention which is to become a obion or whatever Mm -hmm. it's all so unnecessary like everything is like way too much exposition for no reason I don't even like I can't even explain like why I like why it feels that way, but none of the none of it matters. Like nothing in this movie matters because it's all just extra <laughs> set up to show how much more badass Michael 
Michael Douglas's than his Japanese counterparts. Yeah, and 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 you get that even in the scene uh, where they have like a disagreement about the way things are going between Moss and Conklin, and um, uh, Moss has a kendo stick and like kind of like uses it to like kind of like you know threaten him when his arm is grabbed and like um you know has like the kendo stick to his neck uh, Conklin's neck, and then the Conklin. And you, you, you're, I guess you're right. Like he kind of like steps forward in like a judo kind of like thrust type move. Yeah, he and just like, a, yeah, and just like pushes him, like it pushes Moss to the ground. And it's like here's American brute force getting over on like the like finesse of, um, the the Japanese fighter. Yeah, and it's like that just plays itself out consistently. Um, to where it's brute force at the end of the day, like you know, it's it's recklessness and brute force at the end of the movie that ends up like capturing like the killer, right? Because um, Sato is like a trained fighter, and yet somehow Conklin gets over on him by using like these pseudo I don't know whatever. Yeah, yeah. I can't even explain like how like dumb that whole scene <laughs> yes. is. Yes, yes. Um, there there's a lot of things that just are don't don't add up and like aren't really that realistic um yeah i find the whole i I wanted to pair this i talked to you about i wanted to pair it with rising sun but rising sun was pay and i didn't feel like making us both pay for fucking rising sun um but i do i find it interesting about the american japanese relations primarily in this and how it's displayed um because it was so common when we were growing up to see things like this in in a lot of different ways right um sure like you know, you would see it in comedies with like gung ho and stuff like that. <clears throat> you know, and it's handled more comedically, but like you have this kind of um economic competition, like, you know, and it's like it was it was all like very like real world type stuff, like, you know, the Japanese and it's mentioned directly in this movie. Like there's that argument between um Moss and Conklin in the club, um, before the Ray Charles karaoke, where Moss tells him, um, you know, all like that. The, the soldiers, which is also putting America over, the soldiers uh, that were there, like, after the war were wise, and, like, you know, now America's just all their good force music and movies, um, that they build the machines, you know, and they are, build the future, and Conklin, oh, hold on, I have it somewhere here. And if there was one of you guys who had an original idea, you'd be so tight that you couldn't even pull it out of your ass. Um, yeah. Uh, I so like yeah, it's a bad line. It is, but like the that economic competition during the time period, it, it, very real. Um, there was more cultural exchange that was going on. Like there was the um, you know, the technology fears of like you know Japanese like uh, of like you know being more immersed in technology and building technology and being ahead of us. Um. And you see that in different movies, like Blade Runner, obviously, like the dystopian future, like Scott himself, like is all very Japanese influenced, like in terms of aesthetic. Um, Back to the Future does it kind of jokingly as well, but it's like the future has a lot of Japanese corporations in Back to the Future, too. Like, I mean, it's very prevalent, like during this time period with all these things, um, these like kind of like American fears. Um, And I see this movie as like an example of like, almost like the lesson is like don't be scared like don't be scared because that was all like what everybody was scared of the japanese and like you know becoming too powerful don't be scared we still like have we can still get over at the end of the day um 
And I just find part it the, funny in that regard. Yeah, but part of that problem, too, is that the entire crux of the movie is based on a guy trying to get revenge for Hiroshima, you know? Like, that's a ridiculous... I don't know. Like, all right. that stuff is just... Again, it's very much Great White Hope in terms of Michael Douglas. Mm-hmm. Like, look at look look at how much the American can accomplish when he learns to restrain his more brutish instincts, you know, and like align himself with these Japanese values that he can single handedly take down like the entire yakuza, right. And, right? Um, bring in this criminal that nobody else has been able to apprehend, um. I don't know. Yeah. And some of that stuff is fine. Like Yeah, some of it is, yeah. Like the end sequence has some exciting stuff in it when they're mm-hmm. when Moss and Conklin are like single handedly taking down an entire like cadre of Yakuza assassins um at this like farmhouse. Yes. I don't that, that that scene is ridiculous too. That feels like some fucking like Final Fantasy bullshit where like all the farmers are secretly like yakuza assassins and moss and i don't know like michael douglas are taking them down single-handedly like all that stuff is yeah but that that sequence is fun and Mm -hmm. enjoyable to watch and yeah even the fight sequence between douglas and uh sato is um it's well done but Mm -hmm. it's just all kind of silly and at the end of the day it's so I, I I said to you that the comp in my brain was more 48 hours than anything else. Yeah. Just yeah. because you have this character who's roundly unlikable in every single way, but was a a protagonist at the time. And I don't even think like an anti-hero. Like I think legitimately meant to be a protagonist. In the same way yeah. that like Stone Cold Steve Austin got over sure. in the 90s, which is like, you know, fuck my boss because I'm not you're not going to tell me what to, I don't know like you're yeah. not going to tell me what to do mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm my own man and I'm like whatever this American wild man and I don't know right and and you mentioned before the podcast that you thought it was particularly um, interesting that it was in 1989 because it kind of like is like to some degree, this almost represents the end of an era, right? Yeah, it really does feel like it really does feel like it. Like this is this is it. This is the last gasp of this and, cowboy and, yeah. mo- modern cowboy. I do what I want. I mean, because they it does it does get softened a lot, like in the nineties into the two thousands. It does. Yeah, I thought that was a really interesting point because I think you're exactly right, and like I think I. I think I thought not that, but something similar. Like it felt important to me when I saw that it was 1989. I was like, right, like the last gasp is maybe the best, maybe the most condemning, but like also like best thing to say about this movie. It feels like the last gasp of like this bygone 80s trope, um, of like rebels like Cobra and you know yeah. the lead character in commando and like you know stuff sure, like that all that like, stuff yeah um and fitting that it's like michael douglas playing the character as opposed to like one of these like big kind of muscly heathens um like 
we've we've gotten down to the level of like you know Michael Douglas being like the the rebel renegade um here yeah um I did just want to briefly touch on Joyce's character too I think mm, another yeah. very implausible character um someone that would be that have that much information after only eight years as a guy Jin herself um feels kind of forced and worked in and then i think she gets maybe what do you think five minutes of screen time i think if you add it up total maybe um six uh, minutes yeah like, yeah it's 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 less than 10 yeah and it just feels like that's also a very forced subplot in some ways like this kind of like forced dynamic character at the end where she turns and kind of helps um at the end it's like both choreographed and forced at the same time um well again it's like she's the great white hope she's mm -hmm. this fallen woman that's managed to like infiltrate like japanese because of her looks and charm or whatever and ultimately is like what helps bring down this you know this really bad guy yeah i don't know uh, it's I'm I'm not a fan of Kate Capshaw anyway, so I guess yeah, I'm not either. Like, and I think this like definitely like seals the deal. Like in the few movies I've seen her in, like she's just really kind of samey and wooden. Um, yeah, I don't. I'm, this is not a good performance at all. No, but it's also not given a chance to be a good performance either. Oh, like, the character's not. Yeah, yeah. You know, she's not Willie in fucking Temple of Doom. She's sure. Just, you got nothing to work with really and yeah. she's just it's another trope too that like i find to be like really kind of tiresome from this time which is a whole the prostitute with a heart of gold mm -hmm. like type yeah. thing i mean i'm surprised that she didn't like fly back to america with them although i think that's the implication i think that's the implication yeah is that show eventually they're gonna yeah yep i i absolutely i it's not stated, but I certainly felt that way at the end is that like, oh, like, you know, OK, like these two kind of broken, fallen people like, you know, are have now found each other and that they're going to, like because it is kind of stated that she's going to leave. Right. And go back to America. Yeah. So, I mean, like that they're going to be together and like, you know, he'll be like whatever. You got the picture perfect thing. He'll be able to be a good dad at that point because he has this woman behind him. But like, like it, it's like it's like kind of like a rosy like ending kind of is the implication that these two will be together, um, which is also kind of forced. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 I didn't expect much of this movie. I only like wanted to watch it like for for one reason but i do find it interesting to re-examine it after all these years to just put it in a place and as part of a tapestry and context to 80s action movies and buddy cop type things and like re-examine the tropes that we grew up with i thought that was yeah. interesting to kind of like review it even though it was kind of tiresome to sit through i mean it's a movie that's past its time and it's not yeah. something that i don't think anyone's ever going to really go back and re-examine or appreciate i mean i think it's just going to fade into nothing this kind of um, sure as like a footnote of a prominent director's right you know, career 
Yep. So. Yeah, like this deep cut from Ridley Scott's career. Like that's what it ultimately will end up being. Um, so it's not like a thing that personally I would like recommend anybody go back and watch or rewatch. But um, just given our childhoods, I did find it pretty interesting just to review one more time and be done with it forever. Yeah. Um, you know, I never would have thought about. Um, never would have thought about this movie again if it wasn't for you bringing it up. So, right, yeah. All right. Um. So next week we will be back with the top five horror movies of 2008 as we continue and wrap up that journey throughout the rest of the year. Um. And as always, uh, check us out each week. Um, with the spin chagrin and the category for next week um, speaking of neon lights is Vegas baby um, mm. and Frank will be picking a movie uh, to fulfill that category so thanks for listening everybody and have a great week yep deuces